When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Kennedy Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Allison, and today I'm joined by everyone's favorite history teacher in all the world, all the land, all the globe, world-renowned, many awards. Mr. Worldwide. Mr. I'm Mr. Worldwide. Worldwide. That's right. Just call me Pitbull. It's, I never will. It's Ryan Pryor. <laughs> it's me. It's your boy. It's your it's, boy. He's it's back. It's your boy. Uh, yes, I'm here. He's here, and I'm kind of stoked for this episode i'm kind of weirded out that we haven't done this one yet it's actually my fault i mean everything's my fault that does or does not happen on this podcast i guess but i will take full responsibility for this particular one because ryan sent me this article oh god what a year ago a year a year year and a half ago and he was like this is an episode and i was like yes it is added to the topic list forgot about it it was there but i just like didn't go back and see so uh, we were looking for something to talk about this week because it was time for Prior to come back around. And I was like, oh, do you remember this? And he was like, that's it. So all this was very vague. But this article is what we're going to tackle from the Washington Post, but really the story that it encompasses overall. Correct? Yes. And it's called The Plot to Deny JFK the Presidency. It is. Dun, um, dun, dun. Before we get started, though, I'd like to say Ryan sucks. We have been on this Zoom for 40 minutes now, which part of it was just us talking. But also, first of all, he has one of Jeff's audio recorders just at his house since he's on so frequently. We have extra. He has it. Second, so it starts to die, okay? It's dying. So he has to look around his house for a ridiculous amount of time for AA batteries, which is a staple in every household, I would think, and didn't exist. So now we're to Zoom audio, which we're like, cool, we'll take it, we'll go, we're good. We still get started, and when I speak, it was taking him forever to respond. So it was like a news show, you know, where they have to wait for somebody to hear him. And we're like, what is the issue? Restarted, restarted, went back and forth. Finally... After a few minutes, I'm waiting for him to rejoin the Zoom, and he's like, oh, uh, I updated, so it should work now. So, here we are. Here we are, and everything is okay. We're all going to be okay. Allison can soothe herself with her nice Kennedy Dynasty podcast, Rocks Glass, that Mm -hmm. she has. That's right. And what are you drinking out of that Rocks Glass tonight? I have got some Tennessee whiskey with Coke in it. There you go. And I too have some Tennessee whiskey. No, <clears throat> you didn't Tennessee do it right. Wi- Hold on, Tennessee whiskey. There it was. There you go. It's Tennessee whiskey. Uh, yes. With with water in it. It is some George Dickel fifteen year. I have taken to drinking whiskey almost straight now, just with like water and ice in it. So, is George Dickel Tennessee whiskey? Uh, George Dickel is made in the Cascade Holler. Oh, in Bedford County. In, I just in, always uh, think no, of Jack Bedford, Daniels in, in, when I think Tennessee whiskey. Uh, George Dickel is a superior Tennessee whiskey, and it's made about thirty mm, minutes from there. Hot take. Ruffle some feathers there. 
but that's Ryan's opinion. Mm. No, actually, no. X no, that out. I don't know. I don't know. Do I don't, not I don't know. say that was my opinion. That is a that's fact. It's objectively fact. Your girl buys Jack. Always will. Always has. Well, that you live in Nashville. That's true. I mean, you know, Nashville is kind of like a hey, what's the what are the most Tennessee things we can do? Okay. No. Back up. If you're a true Nashville <laughs> resident and you actually live here and have your whole entire life or a vast majority of your life, you're not like, oh, let's get all the Tennessee stuff. You're from Bell Buckle and y'all like moon pies. You probably have a Tennessee belt, belt buckle, like a TriStar belt buckle, right? And a, you have God, a straw no. cowgirl hat. I do and have a TriStar tattoo, what? though. <laughs> it's because, okay, 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 stop. It's because it's in honor of a friend who has passed. So, and a bunch of us got it. So there was a reason, but yes, sure. there is TriStar on my body. It's kind of hidden, True. Though, You but. probably wear rhinestone boots out on on Broad Street, huh? I would die first. I literally... Or Broadway. I, I had to go to the Apple store. They just built a new one downtown. I had to go the other day, and I passed a bunch of bachelorette parties, and they were all wearing those boots. And I told Jeffrey, I was like, I just got to get out of here. To those of you <laughs> who don't understand... To those of you who don't understand anything we're talking about right now, Everyone Nashville, does. Tennessee... Oh, they do? It, well, it's, it's a the, hub. Everybody knows that now. Nashville has become a caricature of what it once was. When, yeah. when I was growing up in Middle Tennessee, when Al was growing up in Middle Tennessee, mm-hmm. Nashville was not the Nashville that you think of at now. The, the Nashville of today, the bachelorette party capital of the world, boot scootin', boogie, honky tonks and whatever. Donkey donks. Yeah, that that wasn't that. Na- Nashville was just a regular old southern town. Yeah, and, and like it's kind of small. Wasn't that all the hubble what is that word the hullabaloo hullabaloo and now it's just full of transplants who yeah. moved to net to move to nashville because it was a trendy city and they think that and so they all have an inflated tri- our housing market yes Thanks. and they have tristar everything and they have x y and z and they all listen to country music but they turn country music bad i so don't now even like country like- music i am very picky with my country music luke bryan no please send it back that's mean. I like, I'm sure he's a nice guy. But I'm just saying, what you think when you think country music, I actually despise. So, but yeah, now it's a hub and everybody lives here and prices are through the roof. But we do have great food now. You do have better food. Yeah. But you've, you've been trying to play catch up to Memphis for over 20 or 30 years. So mm. I just realized it's the first podcast I've ever said I live in Nashville. So oh. now people know where I'm from. Should we, should we redact it? I don't think so. I mean, it's in my book. So. Well, there you go. There's a little Do you realize, by the way, it's also almost been two years since you since you started this. It's been I next month is that. two years. Next month is two years when you I called me. Literally told Jeffrey that last night. We were talking about the f- amount of work that I put into the podcast. What you hear is actually probably the least amount of work I put in, even though it's still a lot. So many just things growing the brand in general, correspondences, sure. building, making, creating. I have an incredible marketing intern that's working with me right now and he has helped so much, but it's still just so much work. So uh, we were talking about that and I was like, man, it's been almost two years of this, which is nuts. And that feels like a long time for it to have been what it is, but it's really short in podcast land. So I don't know. It's a lot, but it's great. It is. There's my reflection. No. And Hey, and you know, we won't, maybe we, we won't reveal what we started talking about the other day, but we do have there's a, there's big things coming. There's a big thing coming. No, we can we can say a little bit. My, we can say a little bit. We're gonna do something really fun for the hundredth episode, which will be a hundredth like episode. Months. I mean, it'll be a minute, but we're yeah. planning, and there's we're things planning. happening. There's the wheels are in motion mm-hmm. already. 
Yeah, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a we're gonna have a fireside chat. Yes. We're gonna have uh maybe it might be live. Probably it might be I know. We're gonna You're have some, too much. Gonna, okay. 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 All Just right. take those elements with you, everyone. It'll be and straight. Imagine as you will. It will be live. It might be live, might not be live. From <laughs> Memphis, Tennessee. So Yeah, you can say that. That that's I'm gonna fine. say that. It's gonna be it's gonna be We're in getting Memphis. the hell out of Nashville, that's for sure. We're getting Bachelorettes out of Nashville. are taking they're over. Co- they're coming down here to the real Tennessee and they're gonna we're gonna record from here. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. stay tuned for more information from Allison about that. Stay tuned. One hundred Eps, one hundred drinks. That'll be that's, <laughs> be nuts. We're gonna we're just gonna get script progressively more unintelligible. Like that okay. one podcast I had to trash of me, you, Caroline, and Jeffrey. May it rest in yes. peace. May it rest in peace. R.I.P. That that's that's some deep cuts. No one knows about that. It actually still exists. It is here. I will never delete it's, it. It's, it's we, not good. It's we not got, good. We drank a little bit uh, too much, probably. I would say uh, last time we were in Memphis, and we we're like, let's just record. Like, let's just sit around let's and just, like have a conversation. Let's just do it. Let's just and, go for it. And we really thought it was the shit. But when we were in it, we were like, this is really good. And then when we got home, I started to put it in <laughs> edit. And I was like, this is the worst thing. <laughs> Heard this is not good. It was mostly this just all of us good. yelling at each other <laughs> and then laughing about it. It was terrible. So that's gone, but it lives on. So, hey, that's okay. Memories. Sometimes, you know, you got to shoot for the moon. Sometimes you got to shoot for the moon. It's great. And and listen, what I'm going to tell you is that today, I'm going to tell you, we're going to talk about a story about how a bunch of um, racists shot for the moon and lost. And uh, And that's how we make the connections. To today's podcast, the plot to deny JFK the presidency. The plot. Well, I was going to say a new soundbite could be dun, dun, dun. I love it. That's just. That's just a new soundbite. Yeah, I think it's great. I, it needs a little something else, though. You need some verbiage. How about I do the dun, 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 and then you say something over it. So what are you going to say? Like a... <gasps> or something like that? <laughs> uh, you do that, and I go, what? No, I'll do, yeah, do the what, and I'll do dun, dun, dun. Okay, ready? Here we go. Okay, three, two, one. Dun, dun, dun! Fantastic. Okay, I'm ready to learn. So, some of you might need to do a little recall, a little recall back to uh, an episode we did um, in November of 2020, Hmm. which is a long time ago, um, about the election of 1960. It was a two-part episode. If you recall, Allison, uh, the first part you were very interested in. The second part, you could have seen glass over her eyes because uh, she was so bored. Uh, Is that true? We talk about we were talking about Johnson. We talked about the oh, 1964 oh. election, and you had no interest whatsoever in LBJ. I wasn't bored. Uh, I just didn't agree. You did not agree. You just don't like him. It's okay. You don't have to like him. And uh, so, if you guys, if you want to go back and listen to that episode, before you want to stop right now, stop, collaborate, and listen. Stop. Collaborate and listen to the former episode that we were dissing. You can did do you that. go back and listen to these, or do you just remember all the content? I just remember them. Wow, I just I remember don't. what we talked about. <laughs> I don't. So, um, in the wake of the 1960 presidential election, uh, you might recall that it was a very close election, very contentious election. Uh, JFK, Nixon, right, who at the time was the vice president, um, and uh, like I said, on the day after. The presidential election occurred in the United States in 1960. A plot, a secret plot, emerged from a group of Southern Democrats who were disaffected Southern Democrats, mad about Kennedy's stance on social justice and civil rights, 
to basically upend the entire election, throw out the results, and uh, put into power someone who hadn't even run for office in the first place. Had it succeeded, a segregationist senator from Virginia by the name of Harry Byrd, a Democrat, would have become president with, you might recall this name, Arizona Senator Barry Goldwater as his vice president. But neither man even ever knew about it until after it had happened. And so now you must be thinking, you're thinking in your head, wow, this is crazy. How in the world could something like this occur? Well, I'm going to tell you. But before I tell you, before we talk about it, we have to have something that often comes when I'm on the podcast. Do you know what we have to do? I would assume a prelude. A prelude. Prelude. In fact, we do have to do a prelude because we have to talk about something that is incredibly important in our electoral system. Allison, can you explain to me in detail the electoral college? Okay, 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 okay. So it still confuses me. I'm not, I'm really you don't not have to, Now you don't have to edit this out. This is not about Kennedy. I'm not editing it. No, this is I, not about I'm going to tell you what I think it is, okay? Tell me what the electoral college is. The electoral college is a amount of votes that each state gets, and it's different each state depending on how many senators and representatives they have. Indeed. So overall, you have, what is it, 530? 538. Oh, I was close. Votes. And whichever person running gets 270 wins the election of the electoral votes. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Hell yeah. Got it. Um, and, and that entire system, so the system of the electoral college is essentially this. When we vote for the president, we don't actually use popular votes. We don't use simple majority like we do in every other election that the United States has. Um, it is a rather complicated, complex, and uh, if you're, if we're being completely honest, a rather skewed process that was created by our founding fathers for one simple reason alone. They did not believe that the vast majority of American citizens were smart enough to choose the right candidate all the time. And so they wanted something in place that would be basically a buffer between the common man and their choice for president in case that choice was a tyrant or an idiot. Essentially how the United States works is that you vote for president, each state has a vote, states run the elections. At the end of that time, they tally the votes and for the majority of states, except for Nebraska and Maine, the, the majority vote, whoever gets the majority vote gets all of the electoral votes for that state. Usually what happens is each party chooses a group of people who will be their electors, individuals. These could be uh, just average Joes. You could literally go pick someone off the street and be like, hey, do you want to be an elector? And what they do is they will then cast the electoral votes for the candidate that wins the simple majority of the state. Now, what you have to understand is that there is this, however, has always been this temptation or this, this system whereby a elector could choose to not vote for the candidate that has won the election, according to the ballot box, and instead could vote for literally anybody to become president. Now, these people are called faithless electors, faithless mm. electors. Now, here's the thing. In the present day, 33 states have laws that outlaw this. Basically, if you're a person and you don't, if you're, an, if you're chosen as an elector and you don't cast your vote for the person who received the majority of votes, you can be arrested or fined or something like that. Okay? Mm -hmm. 17 states have the right to void those electoral votes should that happen in the other place. But back before the, the modern era, 
this was kind of an ambiguous process. And actually, in certain circumstances, faithless electors could literally just vote for whoever they wanted to, and that person would receive those votes. And in 1960, uh, and, and, and whenever we have things like close elections, whenever we have close elections, they always bring up this question of, well, what if there's faithless electors? What if some electors decide not to vote for the candidate that, has, that was chosen by their state's persons? This question was highly debated because guess what? The election of 1960 was decided by less than 113,000 votes out of 69 million that were cast. That's wild. So a group of Southern Democrats who uh, basically were disaffected by the Democratic Party's embrace of the civil rights movement decided that they were going to develop a plot to try to undo the electoral results. Okay, ladies, I cannot wait to share this company with you. One with is patent-pending, ultra-flattering women's swimwear that fits and feels like seamless undergarments. And I'm telling y'all, when I put my suit on for the first time, I've never felt better in swimwear. It is so flattering and truly feels one with your body. The founder is a lifelong New Englander and Kennedy enthusiast, and the name, in addition to referencing the fact that the suits are one with a woman's body, is also partially inspired by the JFK quote where he alludes to us being one with the seat. The brand is based in and focuses on New England, and they even have a piece named after Hyannisport, the Hyannis bikini top. I, of course, love all the Kennedy references used by one with. Their swimwear is available in sizes extra small to 3X, and all patterns and colors can be mixed and matched. They have some super cute accessories, too. I'm telling you, ladies, you won't regret adding one with to your closet. And I even have a 20% off coupon for Kennedy Dynasty listeners. Just click the link in the description of this episode to lead you to onewithswim.com and enter code KENNEDY20 for 20% off. Again, that's KENNEDY20, K-E-N-N-E-D-Y 20, 2-0, no spaces for 20% off. Happy shopping. And so when he was elected, and, and when it was such a close margin, all of a sudden, Republicans get up in arms, right? They, they file suits in 11 different states. And listen, Kennedy only won Texas and Illinois. And by the way, haha, a Democrat winning Texas. Tex- Kennedy only well, won Johnson Texas and Illinois. Why? Well, true. That's exactly right. Kennedy only won Texas and Illinois by 9,000 votes. Okay? That's nothing. That's the size of a small town in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Like, that is literally no no votes at all. That's way um, less people than in my hip group for my community. <laughs> sure, absolutely yeah, right. And recall that them. the recall that the the, the morning of, of the election, Republicans had been had had released all of these different uh, you know speculations that Democrats had gotten votes by digging up dead people in Cook County, Illinois. Remember we talked about that mm-hmm. um, to vote, um, but most of these suits were thrown out. Most of these suits were thrown out, these Republican lawsuits. And even Nixon wanted no part in it, saying, and ironically, this is you know, such an interesting thing coming from a, a president who would later be you know, coined one of the most you know, deceiving presidents in American history. He said, our country cannot afford the agony of a constitutional crisis. And so he wouldn't get involved. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't pursue any of these challenges. He, he wanted... He believed that it was better for the country if they just, you know, Kennedy was elected, even if it was there was some fraudulentness going on. He wanted Kennedy to be elected. I think if we recall, he 
he was in Mexico the night of the election. Yeah. So all of this went down to the Electoral College. And guess what? The Democrats, the Southern Southern Democrats, who, who were totally anti-Kennedy at this point, they had totally moved away from the Democratic Party, largely because of the Democratic Party's acceptance and, and movement towards the civil rights movement. The, the Southern Democrats are pissed off and they are going, well, we see a way that there's Republicans who don't believe this election was free and fair. And we don't like Kennedy either. So we they developed a plot basically use the electoral college and the loopholes that existed in the electoral college to create a situation where John F. Kennedy would not become president. Now, there's something you got to know first before we, we go forward. A little tidbit for you is that in the case of an electoral college tie, the election is then put forward to the House of Representatives who then vote on who they think should be president. Again, that's why the Electoral College is kind of wild, right? If, the ele- if there's a tie in the Electoral College, the results of the election is entirely dependent on the makeup of the House of Representatives. So that's something you need to know. That's a tidbit for you. Back to the story. At this point, a bunch of the electors from the state of Mississippi, in fact, all eight electors from the state of Mississippi, who were, who, vo- who by the way, the state of Mississippi voted for Kennedy. Kennedy won the state of Mississippi. And six of the 11 electors from the state of Alabama all defect. And they publicly say, we are going to not vote for John F. Kennedy. They're not going to vote for Nixon, but they say we will not vote for John F. Kennedy. And all of these organizers begin to make a plan and reach out to the electors from the other Southern states, all the other, all 11 Southern states, and basically say, listen, if you guys go along with this, we can get someone who is anti-desegregation, who's anti-civil rights. We can get somebody who's like us in this office and here's how they plan to do it. The first plan, plan A, was to go to Kennedy and convince him to go harder on commies and enhance states' rights, which has always been a, a code name for segregation, and uh, basically to back off the civil rights thing and we'll vote for you and everything will be okay. They knew that Kennedy probably wouldn't go for it. So they said, if Kennedy refuses that, we've got plan B. Plan B was to call for the reversal of the candidates on the ballot. Basically, they would say, listen, if you reverse Johnson for Kennedy, we'll vote for Johnson and Kennedy can be the vice president. And that, by the way, is legal. That can happen. So they call, they said, reverse the candidates. We'll vote for We'll vote for Johnson, whatever. Well, they probably knew that Kennedy wasn't going to go for that either. And so they had plan C. And what they discovered, and plan C seemed to be the most reasonable one. And this is where the guy, the Democrat, Harry Byrd and, and Barry Goldwater come into play. The, basically, these Southern Democrats said that they, are, they would go and call upon the Republican electors and they would come together and meet and pick from what they called a list of outstanding Southern men. These would include the governors of Arkansas and Mississippi, like Orville Fabus and Ross Barnett of Mississippi. God, these sound like such Southern names. Yeah, or, Orville. Orville. I probably Orville, have Orville in Fabus. my family line somewhere. Orville Fabus and Ross. Or <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you don't want Orville Fabus in your in your. No, I'm just saying Orville in general. I'm sure I have 17 uh, of those names. And basically, what they were going to do is they were going to get all these Southern Democrats to defect and change their vote, and then get the Republicans to change their vote in all the states where the Republican won. And that would be enough. That would be enough electors to throw the election into contention. Like this, reasonably at the time, could work. And basically, if they if they couldn't do that, they would try to convince enough electors, enough Democratic electors to defect to so that Kennedy wouldn't get the 200, at the time it was 269 electoral votes, and then it would be sent to the House of Representatives. And they were pretty confident that the House of Representatives, which had, I believe, a Republican majority at the time, would vote for either Nixon or someone else. Mm -hmm. 
And this, by the way, it happened before. There have been two electoral ties in the, in the history of the United States. One was in 1800 when Thomas Jefferson was chosen by the House of Representatives over Aaron Burr. It is an Aaron Burr, sir. That depends who's asking. A dot, A dot Burr. So good. A dot M. I, can, I, I mean, I'm happy to do my shot right now. Is this my shot for it? No? Later? Do it. Maybe? It'll do take it. four minutes and 50 seconds or however long. I'll sing the whole. I know the whole thing. I'm it's sure okay. you do. I'll do a special episode just for that. Yes. And then in 1825, the House of Representatives had chosen John Quincy Adams over Andrew Jackson. So all of these Southern Democrat electors reached over to their Republican counterparts. Um, in fact, a guy, a Republican elector in Oklahoma, a guy by the name of Henry Irwin, was actually super into it. He sent telegrams to all 218 Republican electors imploring them to vote for Byrd instead of Richard Nixon. He was like, nah. This guy will be better for America than Kennedy is, so we might as well have a Southern Democrat instead of Nixon. I mean, this was some. This started to take root. Ross Barnett, who was the governor of, of Mississippi, began to publicly advocate, and the the Mobile Press in Alabama declared in their own newspaper that Southerners who were deeply concerned over the racial mixing of individuals should lift their voices in an appeal to all presidential electors. Oh my God. This became a movement. Now remember, how could this all be happening? Well, remember, there's a big chunk of time between the election in November and when the new president actually becomes president. Mm -hmm. Okay, right? We remember this, right? If you guys remember from the 2020 election with all the contentiousness that happened in November, December, and January, and oh, by the way, you know, that thing that happened on January 6th, Mm. there's this period between the election and the actual inauguration where things like the Electoral College meets and votes. And then, by the way, on January 6th, what happens is all of those votes are sent to the Senate and they're counted officially. In fact, that's what the insurrectionists were trying to upend on January 6th. Mm-hmm. And throughout the South in 1960, in between November and January of 1961, efforts to release electors spread throughout the South, all 11 states. There were movements and, 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 and protests and, uh, and press releases that were attempting to sway electors. Uh, in fact, one of the organizers, a guy by the name of Harris, who is going back to the beginning guy we talked about, felt so strongly two weeks before the electors voted that he believed that Kennedy was not going to be elected president. The White Citizen Council in Mississippi even published articles agreeing and, and basically telling their readers to prepare for a, a basically mistrial, a, a new election and or a, a totally different candidate than John F. Kennedy. And on the day the electors met to vote, it all fell apart. Most of the electors felt morally obligated to vote for the candidate who had won the election of their state. Some electors in South Carolina even mentioned afterwards that they were offered preferred stock in a Filipino company of some kind to, in order to shift their electoral votes. But when it was all said and done and the electoral votes were tallied, Kennedy won 303 electoral votes, Nixon won 219. Although Harry Byrd, the senator from Virginia, did get 15 votes from the defected electors of Alabama and Mississippi. Oh my God. And the one guy from Oklahoma. <laughs> That's not even the best part about the whole story, though, because here's the thing. The job, the votes are sent to the Senate and they're voted on. Everybody votes. They either object to the electors or they don't object to the electors. And then it's the job of the vice president to officially count out the votes and and how all the votes went, because the vice president is the person in charge of the Senate. Who was the vice president in 1960? It was Nixon. It was Nixon. So Nixon had to read out and oversee these votes as they came in. And hilariously, as he read, what's the first state alphabetically when you read, when, you know, if you're looking at states, what's the first state alphabetically? That would be Alabama. It would be Alabama. Mm-hmm. 
And six of 11 electors in Alabama voted for Harry Byrd. Mm, off to a good start there. And so whenever he read off the state of Alabama's electoral votes, Nixon apparently very dryly remarked, the gentleman from Virginia is now in the lead. <laughs> it was so scary that later on, Senator Mike Mansfield said, you know, hey, maybe we should rethink this whole electoral college thing and really try to maybe revamp it. In fact, he said, it's time to bring the electoral college from the horse and buggy era into the jet plane era. Wow. And it went nowhere. And in fact, some 60 odd years later, we're still basically in the horse and buggy era of this whole thing. There are laws and things that would prevent faithless electors from doing things like that, but there are ways. If there's an electoral college tie and the House of Representatives is controlled by one particular party, the entire election can be changed. There have been four instances, including in 2016, where the popular vote went to one candidate and the electoral college went to another. Mm-hmm. Meaning more people voted for one candidate than another, but that other person still got to be president. And so thus ends this interesting anecdote story about a time when our guy, JFK, almost had his own presidency upended and denied. That is wild. I'm sure I, along, well, I already know, but the audience would love to know your opinion. This is Ryan's opinion of the Electoral College. That is my opinion. Yeah, now. screw it. Get rid of it. Burn it. Really? Destroy it. And yes. what is your reason for this? Because it's not its not democracy. And what's it's your reason a, for saying that? Because democracy is the will of the people. Mm-hmm. And when the will of the people can be undone by a, a weird, archaic system designed to prevent poor people from deciding who the president was, then that's not democracy. Mm-hmm. Why, why, do we, why are we okay with every other election being a simple majority and yet the president has to go through some weird-ass system? Do you think it was wise of the forefathers to put that in place, or do you think it should have never happened to begin with? I can see why they did it, but the problem is in this United States is our, we are changing our government, changing the rules or is, is super hard. Mm-hmm. And basically, once they did it, they basically envisioned that, oh, well, one day when there's an educated populace, they'll get rid of this. But what they didn't envision was that it would take decades to make small minor changes to the government like it does thank you so much for sharing all this with us today yes you are as always it was wonderful and i appreciate it and i learned so much i well i i appreciate it too and i enjoyed my time tonight um on the kennedy dynasty podcast well when are y'all coming to nashville uh soon soon um soon we are we're going out of town this weekend for caroline's birthday and we are going to have a party for her next weekend um and then after that Uh, why were we not invited i'm sorry i thought caroline loved us i did think i was wondering if you guys wanted to you know maybe come down to oxford at some point for a baseball game or something first of all i feel like you're covering up and lying that you weren't going to invite us do you want to come to memphis on a saturday night for a party with a bunch of people you don't know no. <laughs> okay, so there you go. I do love Caroline, though. I would come for her. Well, that's very sweet of you. And you have a, but we have a bedroom. But the in, introvert so. in me with the people that I don't know, and I'm a bunch aware. of them, is a, is a hard no. So. I'm aware. But what you guys do need to do is come visit us and stay at our place in, in, in Oxford. And, um, and, you know. Yes. Uh, you can come hey, and you say that. when. You say when. Springtime. We got college baseball. Lots of baseball to do. Oh, that sounds awesome. I love baseball. Well, Pryor, thank you so much for joining us today. And I will talk to you guys next week. Yeah. Yeah. You're as Tennessee whiskey.
America strong. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts.